Lawmakers returned to the floor of the Wyoming State Capitol Monday to begin debating hundreds of bills from a proposed voter identification requirement to a tax on tobacco. KHOL's Will Walkie interviews Statehouse reporter Nick Reynolds, formerly of the Casper Star Tribune and now of the nonprofit publication Wyofile, about what to expect from this year's legislative session. I'll start with this question. So Wyoming's legislature returned for the first in-person session this week. And in your first piece for Wyofile, um, you called it one of the most pivotal legislative sessions in the history of the state. And can you just outline for the listeners what are the stakes for the 2021 legislative session and why it's so important? Sure. Well, I think with this year's session, we're dealing with a lot of the similar issues that we've grappled with for decades at this point. The Tax Reform 2000 plan that was introduced by the Wyoming Taxpayers Association in the late 90s warned us that we had a couple of decades to update our state's revenue streams to get away from a heavy reliance on minerals, fossil fuels, the things that have paid for our schools, paved our roads, built our bridges for decades now. And that has only been exacerbated with the, I guess, accelerated decline of coal that we've seen in the Powder River Basin over the last five years. Add that on top of a pandemic and a downturn in the investment markets for us, which is another huge area of uh, income for the state. And we are looking at a situation where it's more or less do or die. We're actually looking to cut, uh, people have used this metaphor over and over, but we're no longer cutting into the fat of the state's budget. But We're actually cutting into the muscle on the bone at this point, uh, looking at some major programs that are actually very much relied on by some of the most vulnerable populations in our state. You know, the Wyoming legislature pushed right during the 2020 election. And I'm wondering, how are you expecting that rightward push to manifest itself in this incoming legislative session in terms of what's being proposed and how things may change in Wyoming? Well, I think the place where it's going to become most apparent is probably on the budget and revenue discussions. With a very limited time to look at, I think we're looking at a one-month session at this point. More than 700 bills are likely to be in the hopper for drafting. We might see like you know a couple hundred of those get through, but with only a month to work, it's not very likely that a lot of the social legislation will get the type of hearing that uh, it typically would in a two-month session. You know, the abortion bills bills of that nature. While we're seeing a lot of those um, bills being drafted, it's still a question of whether or not leadership will actually give them their day on the floor. So we may or may not see that element become apparent in this year's session. Yeah. And so obviously some committees have already been doing some work and a notable bill that advanced through committee is the photo ID requirement at the polls, which passed. As someone who covered it, what was the argument for passing that bill through committee and why is it so likely to pass? Uh, Well, we're kind of dealing with a chicken and egg situation with this one where we're seeing a situation where voter confidence in states' elections have been diminished and they're trying to address that by passing something that will make it seem more secure. That's the line that we tend to be getting. The trust in the country's elections were actually um, opposite before November 6th, where um, Democrats actually had lower confidence in the integrity of this year's elections than Republicans did. And uh, after November 6th came through, we sort of saw that flip where Republicans were suddenly more distrustful of the integrity of our country's elections, while Democrats were more in favor. What's been interesting about this bill is that there's been a bipartisan coalition that has been able to kill it pretty consistently over the last couple of years that it's come up. Uh, It's been a priority for a while. It's been run a few times, but it's always managed to fall by the wayside. This year, the amount of response we've seen on this bill has been astounding. 
shifting back to this legislative session and all the different work that the lawmakers will have to do, you know, you just talked about the budget and the myriad cuts that are going to have to be made, but also there's many lawmakers kind of talking about alternative revenue sources. And I'm wondering, what are some of the main ways that lawmakers are trying to change things in terms of new revenue sources for the state of Wyoming? Um, There are a few uh, sort of, I like to call them nickel and dime measures that are out there. So things like fuel tax or the road usage charge or even the tolling I-80 bill, which is coming back this year, are looked at as ways to help accomplish that. Uh, Some of the more ambitious revenue policies probably won't get a hearing. And those are looking mostly to just raise taxes on the super wealthy residents of uh, Jackson Hole in particular. Uh, There's one bill out there that looks to implement basically a wealth tax, and uh, it should raise upwards of $300 million all towards schools, basically anticipated to illuminate the state's uh, education deficit almost overnight. You said you don't think that those are likely to pass? Uh, They haven't typically in the past. I mean, anything could happen. We haven't really seen any debate on those yet. They're coming forward as individual bills, so we will actually have to see if leadership will put those on the docket. But anything can happen. My next and, I guess, final main theme that I'd like to get at is, you know, obviously the energy landscape in Wyoming is really in flux. And given your reporting and just from what you've witnessed, which direction do you think the Wyoming legislature is heading in terms of which which industries it's kind of going to be supporting in the near future law-wise? See, well, at the at the committee level, um, lobbyists for those industries have been pretty successful in making the economic case for subsidy for continuing subsidies for renewable energy. You know, they're creating a bunch of jobs that are being shed by traditional minerals like uh, coal at this point. And you know, for a lot of people, there really is reason to continue to support them through subsidization and making sure that these projects can continue to be viable. Um, At the same time, it's getting to a point where some lawmakers see the state's renewables industry as becoming uh, more robust than they claim it is and believing that it's time for them to pay their fair share. So we're seeing uh, introductions of a wind tax uh, that hasn't been too successful at the committee level, but uh, there are a number of lawmakers who have been pushing for it. Uh, We've also seen the introduction of a solar generation tax this year. We're getting to a pretty uh, desperate point as far as the state's uh, revenue picture goes. So, you know, that might affect people's thinking. But in the past, some of these new taxes on renewables haven't been successful either. You know, you recently transitioned to Wildfile. And, and for your regular readers who, who loved your content at the Casper Star Tribune, I'm wondering how might your content be changing? And, and if you're willing to share, what were some of the reasons that you decided on to uh, to make this transition from the Casper Star Tribune to Wildfile? Um, I mean, I think like the content itself isn't really going to change too much. Uh, the biggest change that I really anticipate is that I'm just not going to be writing as much daily copy. Uh, you're probably not going to see, you know, up-to-date, I guess, details of what's coming out of committees. You know, for the most part uh, today, I've been going room to room, and instead of writing up a 500-word story, I've just been taking notes and basically just looking for trends to emerge. Uh, you know, things that I could maybe take a step back and instead of looking at things, you know, bill by bill, I can take a you know, bigger, uh, I guess, a bigger perspective on things. It's been kind of fun working for, um, you know, a daily newspaper for a while. It was something that I wanted to do. I actually came over from an alt-weekly after getting a daily to join that alt-weekly. So it's uh, you know, it was familiar ground for me, but I've never gotten the opportunity to work in nonprofit news before. It seemed like an intriguing prospect to me. And, you know, I, I do honestly think that 
you know, nonprofit journalism is probably the future for a lot of newsrooms. And uh, I kind of wanted to, I guess it's not really the cutting edge anymore because so many nonprofit newsrooms have been successful, but um, it seemed like a really exciting change. And honestly, it just kind of seems like the direction that the industry is heading in and you know, one that frankly I'm supportive of and uh, wanted to be a part of it. Nick Reynolds, thanks so much for talking with me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure.